0: Well, what are your impressions after, you know, your first season here with
1: the Ravens? Uh, it was fun, man, while I lasted. Um, I really appreciate the uh, organization for uh, bringing me in and, um, you know, getting some things done so I could be around here for a uh, few more years, man. And, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to, uh, about this future, man, with us.
0: Well, this is the worst timeline. Before we get into discussing the Ravens' disappointing loss to the Titans, we want to take a moment to acknowledge some other upsetting news from the weekend. Before there was Raven's recap, there was a mutual love of the Canadian rock trio, Rush, that brought Chris, Alec, and Peter together. On Friday afternoon, it was announced that Rush's drummer, Neil Peart, passed away on Tuesday after quietly fighting brain cancer for years. To remember his music and lyrics that brought together so
2: many people, let's take a moment of silence. Thank you.
1: That was just a start of a bad weekend. And um, yeah, those of you who don't know the music of Rush and Neil Peart, definitely something that I saw a lot of tributes for this weekend. Actually, on both the NBC broadcast and the CBS broadcast of the playoff games before commercial break, there's always obviously music playing, and Rush was played at one point during both those games. Unfortunately, I wasn't too happy with the timing of the... Tribute for that CBS played because that was being played during the highlights of a 50 yard pass by Ryan Tannehill to put the Titans up 14 to 0. So that was probably the saddest I've ever been to hear Neil's drum fill <laughs> on Tom Sawyer. <laughs> but yeah, wow, this is definitely not how we were expecting today, tonight's pod to go. I mean, we talked about it. I don't think any of us are shocked that the Titans won. I think we are. We we always gave this team a shot, but the manner in which this game happened, I just didn't know what team I was. Watch- this did not look like a team that went fourteen and two in the regular season on a twelve game winning streak last night. And I don't even know where do we want to start with looking at at what went wrong, guys. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, the the first quarter definitely gave me vibes for the uh, L.A. Chargers playoff game last year. Lots of mistakes were made, an inopportune turnover to really start the Titans off to score early, and uh, then they had that quick strike uh, on that touchdown pass that you mentioned, Peter, to go up 14 uh, nothing. You know, there was a point, I think, in the second quarter where I think Lamar was a little rattled a little bit. It seemed like almost every play he was just kind of like, he felt like he needed to have his ball, the ball in his hands every single play. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, I don't know. I think we can get back from this. Kind of reminded me a little bit. Obviously, the stats were much better this game. And, you know, I think by the second half, I think Lamar actually rebounded pretty well. Uh, The second half, he he definitely looked like a player who I think was kind of one of the few bright spots of the game. But yeah, like you guys said, I mean, I don't think any of us here expected us to get into a hole like that and just not be able to recover at all. It was just, you know, something we're just not used to seeing this year. And it was just the worst time to bring that out.
1: Yeah, you always hear talked about during this time, you know, teams of destiny and all that, you know, talking points during the playoffs. You never know whether or not to give that credence or not, but it just felt like a game where any stroke of good luck the Ravens had during the regular season, they just paid for it in this game. There was just no good luck on the Ravens. I mean, that first touchdown pass, like Brandon Carr had excellent coverage on that. And then Ravens had such good luck on fourth and one in the regular season. Both those plays were stopped. Maybe a little bit of overthinking there, but still, you know, that was a strength of this team in the regular season that didn't work. Tipped pass for an interception. Seth Roberts uh, was open several times and just couldn't corral the ball. I mean, just a lot of bad luck yesterday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that stunk was that even though everything was going wrong and we were down 14 to 6 it kind of felt like maybe we had a chance to come back everything was starting to roll in the second half that first drive in the third quarter and then we just weren't able to convert and it was one of the best, like worst play calls i don't know why they were trying to do that weird sneak they gave lamar no space and he just tried to like scoot across the line and like played to none of our strengths and that's that was a really devastating blow yeah,
1: and when I was talking about overthinking it, I think that kind of goes with what I was saying. It did surprise me that the foundation of this team has been pairing uh, Lamar with the running backs we have, and Engram was hurt this game, so that's the big reason why he only had six carries, but still, only to see three carries from Gus Edwards, especially in a situation like that, you would think that A big back like Gus would be able to, you know, get that yardage right there. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but it just seemed like there were definitely moments where I feel like we the Ravens got off the game plan too quickly. Obviously, when you get down that big, you're going to have to abandon the run and pass more than you were originally planning to. But I mean, we as we saw today with the Chiefs, they were down twenty four points to the Texans and came back to win by 20. Like, I feel like if the Ravens had just, if there was a little less panic there, just be like, okay, we're only down two scores. Like, it's not that much. Maybe the game could have gone a bit, bit differently, but obviously that's us speaking here. We're not on the field. We're not in the coaching room. We don't know the breadth of the playbook, except for (laughs) what we see from the, when we're watching the games. But yeah, it just did seem like we Ravens abandoned the game plan a little, little early in yesterday's game.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of credit goes out to uh, you know the the Titans. I mean, we don't want to take anything away from them. I think they had a, a pretty good game plan and they executed pretty much flawlessly. Definitely, after seeing the game against the Patriots, too. I mean, you thought that you know the Patriots were exposed a little bit you know, given some of the problems that they've had. And, you know, obviously we expected things to go a little bit better. But, you know, I think what they did was they kind of built off of that, had a lot of confidence going in this game and, and really kind of used that to uh, to their advantage. The thing that stood out to me, I think, that was probably the difference in this game was how the guys on the Titans' defensive line really performed. And, you know, they just gave our O-line fits all game they were clogging up running lanes and you know to your point peter i think you know that was a huge impact of why we just really just abandoned the the run and and i mean i won't say we abandoned all the run but we definitely abandoned those inside runs you know which is why you didn't see very many carries from ingram and from gus it felt like at some point i don't know whether this was actually being called or whether this was Lamar's uh, ability to kind of read what the defensive end was doing. But it seemed like for starting in the second quarter, if there was a run play, Lamar had to run to the outside. And I think a lot of that had to do with how the the Titans were playing defense. And, you know, even, you know, even that being said, it's just, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I, it's really hard to turn this offense into something that it just isn't you know we've relied on this for so long to be able to have these powerful inside runners and you know just to to not even try to get them going a little bit it just man it was it was disappointing
0: the thing that kills me is just how the turnovers completely changed the game i mean we outpaced them by almost 200 yards <laughs> that feels like a way to win but didn't show that way on the scoreboard Ben but don't break dean p's defense
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: Jeez.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean the, you know, that first that first pass to Andrews, you know, I, I think that was a good throw by Lamar. It just, you know, Andrews wasn't able to corral it and he tipped it up right to the guy I told, you know, I told you guys on the pod last week. I was like, "Don't don't throw near Kevin Byard." <laughs> you know, yeah, he, uh, he came down with that ball after Andrews tipped it up. And uh Yeah, I mean that was seven points right there. I think the other interception that uh, Lamar threw. I think it was to, um, I think it was to Logan Ryan or Kenny Vaccaro, one of those two guys. I think that was just a late throw by Lamar. You know, that was a bad decision by him on on that one. I can't remember if that one turned into points or not.
1: So you're right. That one was to Vaccaro, the third drive to third quarter, which was the drive after uh, Lamar's fumble, which did lead to a touchdown that led to the jump pass by Henry to our good friend, yeah. Corey Davis. Um, right. But, I mean, yeah, so the Lamar's interception, at that point, like, the defense did hold them to three and out, and the defense held the, the Titans scoreless for the rest of the game after that. At the same time, though, it wasn't really like there was a huge impetus on the Titans to keep scoring with the right. fact that, yeah, while the Ravens, like you said, were, ru- were running up and down the field... They weren't completing drives with points,
2: right, yeah, I mean those three total turnovers, and there were two failed fourth down conversions, so five drives right there that were somewhat successful and just didn't end very well and um you know I, I think actually the probably the most important one for me that could have changed the tide of the game and we unfortunately we just weren't able to convert was that huge Pass to Hollywood Brown to set up inside the red zone right before the half. And, you know, I, I told you guys right there when we were watching it live, I was like, you know, if the, the Ravens don't get a touchdown here, like, you know, this might be game because we could have really, really used that momentum going into halftime and then come back out and, you know, hopefully score again. We would have been up at that point. But, you know, the Titans were able to just have good coverage on that one pass play. Lamar held the ball until there was only four seconds left and then we were kind of forced to kick the field goal. But, you know, that just a huge missed opportunity that could have really swung this game back in our favor.
0: Yeah, it was a miracle that he even was able to throw it away. He almost fell down. That would have cost us even three points there. And that, that had been so much wind out of our sails.
1: Yeah, I do agree that that was one of many chances the Ravens had to take back control of this game. They scheme up a play like they had usually been able to do within the red zone this year and get the touchdown there, well then all of a sudden you've pretty much salvaged it. You're only down four and you get the ball to start the second half. But yeah, settling for the field goal there is not did not give us a good feeling going into halftime at all.
2: No. Yeah, I mean the only you know, the only good thing I'd say that come out of that was uh, you know, the play by Hollywood Brown too. And you know, he he played, I thought, very well the entire game, but, you know, that catch to you know, set up that field goal before the half was just a fantastic one-handed catch by him. And, you know, even a great throw from Lamar too. You know, he he had a handful of those throws in that game that I thought were actually very, very good. It's just, you know, it's hard to have that many when you're throwing almost 60 times a game. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that one, he was kind of got it just over the two cornerbacks. I think there were two guys running uh, deep routes toward the end zone, it looked almost like a Hail Mary play. And uh, he was able to get it just over the cornerbacks, just in front of the safety. And Hollywood was able to adjust and get it in with one hand. And you know, de- you know, I, I know it would have been huge from like a numbers perspective, but just from momentum, it was just like if he was able to catch that ball, it just it was, it would have just been great to just cap that off with a touchdown because that was just a phenomenal effort. But you know, hey, like you guys said, it just you know wasn't our <laughs> wasn't our game yesterday, definitely. You know, we uh, didn't get very many breaks.
0: Yep, they flashed a lot of what made them the 14-2 team that they were all game long. There were many times during the game I was like, are we about to turn this thing over? Is it about to start going our direction? But it seems like we paid all of our luck out at the during the regular season. We got nothing. <laughs> nothing broke our way all game. So moving on
1: to the defensive side of the ball, it wasn't just the offense that was out of sync yesterday. And to be honest, I would almost argue that this off, this loss is more on the defense than the offense. Despite the fact that the Ravens did hold Tannehill to only 88 yards passing and the Titans in total to just 91 yards passing, they still gave up three touchdowns through the air. Only two of those were to Tannehill. One of those was a Derek Henry throwing a touchdown pass and as well as giving up a rushing touchdown to Tannehill. And it, you know, it's, it's funny because we keep talk we kept talking throughout the year. Like whenever the Ravens had a win, it, we would list off all the good things that went well. And then we would be like, but so-and-so running back got so many yards, especially a lot from rushing to the outside. And the, especially with the Ravens, Jalen Ferguson in particular, failing to set the edge. And, you know, we kind of brush it off week in and week out because it's like, well, of course, you know, you're not going to have a perfect game. Eventually, you know, the other team's going to get some yards somehow. But that's, I think, was really the difference in this game. And we talked about Derrick Henry being the guy on this team last week who scared us um, just from how he could carry this team, how hot this guy's been. There was no answer for Derrick Henry all night for the Ravens defense.
2: No, you know, he, he Derrick Henry is just so unfair. <laughs> Watching him in person, it's just, you know, the guy is a monster. He's huge. He's so strong. He's fast. He's got breakaway speed, and he just, you know, he just doesn't stop. It's just amazing how he just continues to get better and better. It's it's just it's just unfair. But um, you know. I thought early the defense did a fairly good job. I mean, you know, you guys can maybe look at the stats here, but, you know, from what I was seeing in the first quarter or something, you know, it seemed like, you know, we were limiting Henry to about four yards of carry. That's not great, but given it's Derrick Henry, I figured that was a win. You know, we didn't see any of those breakaway runs fairly early in the game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there were, I think there was the one run that Henry had. The, basically outran everybody. Peters was the only person to to uh, tackle him on the way to the end zone. I think he was down inside the five. That was a huge chunk. Uh, and I think there was another run or two that also just oh, – the one on um, where he just stiff-armed Earl Thomas. Yeah. Tw- not once, but twice. You know, it, it was just those plays like that where it just completely demoralized our team – and uh you know just blew up the stat sheet one thing i just it kind of baffles me a little bit you know it's how do you how do you tackle a guy like derrick henry you know for him he's he's so big he's so tall he's so strong he can stiff arm you you can't tackle him up high and you know i don't know about you guys but i don't know why earl thomas was trying to tackle this guy with an arm tackle it's just (laughs) you know it was just a bad idea to begin with but uh I just don't, I don't know why we were tackling that way. You know, you got to go for the guy's legs. You got to wrap him up. You got to have multiple guys on him. maybe go high and low or something. But I feel like there's got to be, there's got to be a better formula for this guy. I know he's a freak. I know he's a physical freak. I know he's conditioned well. I know he gets better as the game goes on. But, you know, there's got to be something that the Ravens should have seen to be able to limit this guy a little bit more than they did. And, uh, you know, whatever it was, they either didn't know about it or they couldn't execute on it. But, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely sad, definitely sad to see. But, you know, to your point, Peter, you know, this is kind of a something that's been biting the Ravens all year. We've known about it. And, uh, you know, we're just going to have to address this thing, you know, come up in the uh, draft of the free agency next year. And hopefully the team can pick up somebody to, uh, you know, help help the defense perform a little bit better.
0: Chris, you're right. Henry got like 121 of the yards on three carries. That's that hurts, right? Yeah. Because, like you said, they're so demoralizing of carries, and they just make you feel like crap. And a, a half the time they happened on uh, in situations where you felt like they might be a little bit out of it. You know, like oh, if we if we stop him here, mm-hmm. this is going to be the turning point. And then right. Henry just gashes you, and you're just like, oh. <laughs> right, right. And I not mean, yet, even, not yet.
2: Yeah, and even even on those two plays, right? They didn't let up a touchdown in either one of those plays, but. They led two touchdowns. So, you know, I mean, completely flipped the field in terms of field position. And, uh, yeah, I mean, demoralizes the defense or having to watch this guy just one run all the way behind you or, you know, stiff arm you into, into oblivion. <laughs> you know, it's it's not good for you know, any way you look at it. It's almost worse
0: because it took more time off the clock, right? And, you know, there were times where we tackled better. Like there was the one right before it was on the 7th, drive they ended up scoring a touchdown anyways because of Tannehill bootleg but Chuck Clark was grabbing the leg of Henry and then they drove him down right before the goal line and I was like okay (laughs) you know that's that was a great play to stop him because he looked like he was just about to score but it was so hard to bring him down I mean a couple times they got him in the backfield and the crowd went crazy and and a couple times early, too, right? And I was like, oh, they got this. They figured it out, right? <laughs> like, like you were mm-hmm. saying, like the first quarter, first two quarters, maybe, uh, four yards a carry or so. Like they were containing him a bit. But yeah, as the game went on, just like we've seen plenty of times throughout the season, watching them play other teams, he just kept heating up and, and dominating the game. What's fascinating about Derrick Henry as well is if you look back on his career,
1: until about, you know, week 13, whenever that thursday night game was late last year against jacksonville this guy was basically a bust like i mean he wasn't terrible but he certainly was you know not someone who was living up to his first round status you know for all the talk about how Tannehill has really revitalized his career during the second half of this season like this coaching staff has figured out something with henry as well and part of this i think is just the ravens just catching a team and two players just at the wrong time they're just right now just in the prime of their careers and sometimes these games are just bad timing
2: (laughs) yeah it's it's also super unfortunate too because we look at tennessee six seed you know everybody's doubting but you know they're getting good play from their running back they're getting good play from their defense and they're getting fantastic play from their quarterback you know these are the ravens teams that we're kind of used to and uh you know it just felt like the titans just beat us at our own game which makes it all the more disappointing as well.
1: Yeah, and to your point, Chris, with how this team is just built kind of like some past Ravens teams. I know we talked about it last week and I did certainly talk to some other Ravens fans who did feel the same that that Tennessee was a, a dangerous team that, you know, the Ravens couldn't overlook. But I was kinda of surprised that at least for me, like what I was hearing from the majority of Ravens fans I talked to and as well as just listening to local media, people who cover the team, there seemed to be a lot of overconfidence going into this game that the Ravens were just going to steamroll this team, and I feel like if any fan base in the NFL should understa- would understand that regular season record and seeding doesn't mean anything going into this tournament, it should be the Ravens for all the years that the Ravens have played dark horse and have been a lower seed and have Come into Denver and upset them when their fans thought they were going to get to the Super Bowl that year. Um, Went into Nashville in 2001 in January, and I mean, basically did to that Titans team what the Ravens just had happened to them yesterday. I don't know if the team themselves was overconfident. That's something that might come out later, maybe during the, the state of the franchise press conference, but. I just found it really weird and a little unsettling going into the game that there was just so much confidence that this game was kind of a foregone conclusion of a of a blowout. Which I don't I don't think any of us were were feeling like this game was one hundred percent safe going into it.
0: The thing that's funny, Peter, is actually like the game. Kind of if you if you close your eye, or not close your eyes, but if you didn't watch the game and only looked at the stat sheet and no one told you the score. Uh, just from a yards perspective, it could have been in that blowout, right? Like only 80 some yards passing the ball, only, I mean, 200 yards running is, is no joke, but all things considered, 300 yards of offense is not much in a modern NFL game. It was those turnovers and short fields and missed opportunities that really did us in.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's why yards in and of themselves are kind of a stat that doesn't really mean anything. You know, uh, you got to, you got to take it with a grain of salt. You got to add all these other variables into it.
1: Yeah, and really, it just goes to show you, like, week in and week out this year, the Ravens were winning the turnover battle almost every game. And, you know, if if they make just one of those fourth down conversions or that ball pops up in the air but goes into the sideline on, on Mark Andrews' uh, missed catch, you know, you're talking about a drive that's going to at least get you an additional three points, maybe seven, and even just scoring on one of those three drives, you have a much better chance at getting within one score of that game and making it a lot more interesting in the fourth quarter.
2: Yeah, I I think you know the the other thing to keep in mind as well. I mean, uh, the Ravens are one of the best teams all year. I mean, one of the best teams in NFL history, if you're looking at in terms of the uh, develop metric, you know, which is one of the measures that people use for, you know, how efficient a a team is in terms of value. And that was kind of the bread and butter of the Ravens the entire year. It's just, you know, they, they didn't put up the best stats overall in terms of yardage, although they were pretty close carried much by their rushing uh, yardage, but they weren't, they didn't put up a whole lot of yards in terms of uh, passing, but they were extremely efficient in scoring. And they did score a lot of points. I mean, that was why Wilmar Jackson led the NFL in touchdown passes. But, yeah, I mean, yesterday, you know, the Titans were just able to come up with a scheme. And, you know, our guys were just not able to execute. And, you know, I think this is probably the worst game this season that we've seen from our guys in terms of offensive efficiency. And all these other games, I mean, you know, we the wide receivers and, and tight ends would talk and say, like, you know, hey, it kinda sucks that I only got like two targets in a game, but if they made those two targets and turned them into catches and turned them into touchdowns, they would be happy. But yesterday was a day that, you know, it seemed like almost everybody, not named Hollywood Brown, uh, didn't uh make the most of their opportunities. I will say I thought our guy uh Hayden Hurst played a
1: pretty decent game yesterday. After Boyle went down, it seems like they finally decided to get him uh, back in the passing game. Now, at the end of the game, he should have given Lamar a second touchdown. He definitely did not look back at it when Lamar th- thought that, hit, that Hayden's route was supposed to break, which I'm going to assume that that was a mistake on his end. But he came up with some big catches yesterday when they did call his number, had the only touchdown catch of the day. Would have also been nice to see them give Gus Edwards some more carries. But like we already said, that the Titans were really stuffing the front of the line. So that's not really the direction the game was going. But yeah, overall, outside of Brown and Hurst and the one good run Gus had, not too much from the supporting cast yesterday.
0: Yeah, and Hurst continues to be consistent. He looked really great other than that one drop, in my opinion hey, Hollywood did show up like we all asked him to. That was nice to see, but it wasn't enough. I think you, gotta, you just got to get props. The one thing I wanted to bring up was just the unbelievable catch by Johnny Smith. That was the first dagger to us, that first touchdown catch. And it was just watching that, I was like, all right, that's the kind of game it's going to be. That first play was the, the side yeah. of me. And I was like, we're not going to have a cakewalk here. Like, <laughs> this is going to... No matter what, they're gonna they're gonna fight back.
2: Yeah, that was an incredible effort by Jonu Smith. Some of the other plays, I mean, you can argue, you know, hey, the Ravens weren't in a good position, or oh, they blew this, or you know, hey, Marlon Humphrey just totally whiffed on you know right. that long touchdown pass. But that play by John it you know Carr was in good coverage, but you know just the concentration to pull that down and you know after a couple of bobbles was just absolutely incredible. You can't you can't fault that guy for that, and you know okay. Questionably, he could have been out. I don't think he was. You know, I just I think that was a great play by him. So inevitably,
1: whether or not it's fair, the questions that were going we heard going into week seventeen of whether or not to play the starters are going to crop up. They've already cropped up among some members of the fan base, and is probably going to be a topic that's going to be talked about for weeks going on from now, akin to last year's. You know, should Flacco have played or not? So I guess we should talk a little bit about that. Now that we've seen what happened, play devil's advocate here. Do we think that the Ravens choosing to rest some starters rather than having Lamar Jackson play in Week 17
0: contributed to any rust, or is this just a red herring? I mean, did they look better over time? Yeah, and can you call that getting rust off sure i just thought the team played too anxiously the second they were down it looked like they got anxious lamar we talked about was taking the ball every single time he was trying to do it all he was playing faster than normal he just looked a little frazzled and i don't think that had anything to do with the week off i think if anything it should help our team get healthier um and i i don't doubt they were focused so I don't think that's what it was in my opinion what about you, Chris.
2: I mean, look at the guys who, who rested, right. I mean, take, take Lamar out of it. I mean, I think we, you had a good point about Lamar. I think he was definitely trying to do too much and was very anxious in the game. Um, uh, but take him out of it. I mean, you have Marshall Yonda. I, I mean, I think Yonda played fine. He definitely had his work cut out with for him uh, with Gerald Casey and Jeffrey Simmons. They were really locked in a battle there, but you know, arguably I think, uh, Patrick McCurry had uh, more trouble in the interior of the line than Yonda did, although Yonda definitely did not have his best game. Take Earl Thomas, you know, for the beginning of the game, I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, He did get embarrassed on that run by by Henry like we talked about earlier, but that wasn't the beginning of the game. That was pretty late. I I don't think there was really any rust from Earl. Ronnie Stanley, again, you know, I, I don't think he had that bad of a game either. You know, and there were let's see who else mark ingram i mean you could clearly see that he was still injured Uh, there's not rust there the guy is just clearly still hurt i mean he was wearing (laughs) he was massaging his calf on the sideline he was wearing ice on it in the second quarter you know arguably he probably should have been held out of the game you know i I wouldn't really call that rust it's just an injury but everybody else they all played week 17 almost all of them played at least to some extent so there's not any rust here (laughs) right? I mean, these guys have have played all 17 weeks. So, you know, I I don't, I don't really buy it. You know, if, if you look at where the team performed poorly, at least, you know, at least a high level, I think you could probably point to, you know, some players that, you know, just didn't have good games. And I don't think that's the same list of, of players who had that buy.
1: Yeah. I looked back on it. Uh, I researched this back when we were doing, the notes for the week 17 podcast but we didn't get to it cuz it didn't fit with what we were going uh, talking about in that the t- other two times the ravens did have a buy in the in the playoffs 2006 and 2011 they did play the starters including the starting quarterback at the time uh, Steve McNair in 06 and Flacco in 11 for the entirety of the game now in both those instances one the ravens still had to win to wrap up um, a first round by in 06. If they lost and whoever the third seed was won, then the Ravens would have been the three seed. And then in 11, they needed to beat Cincinnati in order to win the division. So they would have dropped from two to five if they had lost that game. So in those cases, there was really no question. The Ravens had to play the starters. But if you look at both those games, obviously we know what happened in 06. It was basically what we just saw yesterday. And in... 2011, they they came out slow in that game as well. So I I don't really think that we can really say that th- there was the rust existed. I mean, if it did exist, maybe that's just because they didn't play the previous week. So you're going to have rust regardless. One thing I will say, one devil's advocate argument that I have heard since the game that is a little interesting. I don't follow college football at all. Um but it was brought to my attention that apparently in Lamar Jackson's career in at Louisville, he was one and two in bowl games and did struggle his last two years and had two of his worst games of his college career in bowl games. So one argument I did hear was that the Ravens should have seen that and maybe considered playing Lamar at least a drive or two in the game against Pittsburgh to not since he's had trouble with that type of layoff before the you know, three week layoff that he had. I obviously don't know what happened in those games because I didn't watch them, so I can't tell you if the if those teams just schemed really well for Lamar if he was just taking too much time off. But that was one interesting argument I did hear
0: against why Lamar should have played at least some in week seventeen. Yeah, I saw that stat, too, that he lost two of the three bowl games and obviously now has lost two of his postseason games in the NFL, resulting in the Ravens not winning a postseason game since 2014, which when I heard that, I was kind of blown away. Do we think Lamar can't win in the playoffs? I, I don't think that's the case. I will say that we've seen twice now that he's tried to do too much and that he's just been kind of frazzled a bit and then near the end of the game he starts to bring it all together so that's not great but I think he can win still in the playoffs and I don't want anyone else being our quarterback yeah I mean he has to prove it
1: obviously I mean he hasn't done it yet but you know obviously at this point in Flacco's career he had already he had a what three and two record in the postseason after Mm -hmm. two years. Now, you know, we can make an argument that maybe Flacco, uh, while he did have some big throws in those games, was more being carried by a complete roster rather than Lamar, who was carrying this team more so than Flacco had to at that stage of his career. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, for all the Flaccos and Roethlisbergers and Bradys who had success in the postseason very early in their career, you know, you look at Drew Brees, it took him until 2006 to win a playoff game. Peyton Manning was notorious for the in the first half of his career for not being able to win a playoff game. It took Aaron Rodgers a few seasons as well. He's still only 23, and I was not expecting this game yesterday to mirror what we saw in last year's game. I thought that what we saw last year was just um, a product of a limited offense that and once the Chargers had seen what that offense was and wasn't it was easy to stop but you know like we said this guy's only 23 he still has several more seasons to figure this out and still has great a uh, quite a good chance to win multiple super bowls with the leadership you have up there with Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh so I agree this guy is the quarterback for the foreseeable future for this team. And I think that this is not going to be something that there's going to be a hangover for, for him. I think that he'll come back and be just as good next year and probably better.
2: Yeah. I do think Lamar needs to, you know, look at this and look at the playoff game last year and, and, and really just work on some of his, I think mental approach this game, you know 'cause i I agree with both of you guys. I think he definitely looked anxious coming out of the game was eventually able to calm down and and put up a lot of a lot of stats in the second half, you know, and arguably you know he looked fairly good. I can say that at least from this game as a bright spot i've I haven't seen Lamar rip the football as much as he did yesterday, and I think he was making a lot of good throws, you know were they all good throws no but there were a lot of good throws in there and he threw almost 60 times that game, you know, with the, you know, uh, with a few more catches that if you take some of the drops away and you turn them into catches, he could have looked a lot much better too. So I, I think that is a good thing, but on the, on the mental side, I think he does need to dial it in a little bit more. And, you know, to your point, Peter, I think it was good bringing up Flacco because you know, we've, you know, all known, you know, Flacco to be Joe Cool, you know, and and while a lot of people don't like to compare the two, I I don't want to bring Flacco up to be like, oh, Flacco should have been here or not. But one thing that Flacco did have going for him is that he was always even keeled in these types of games. And I think it did help because of the rosters that we had, because we were so defensive heavy in those early teams and they were able to help carry Flacco I think that did kind of help bring his confidence up a little bit um and and naturally I think the guy is just even keeled already so it was just you know kind of with that combination of being even keeled and having that confidence it was one of the reasons why he did so well in the playoffs especially on the road and you know I think Lamar needs to you know take this kind of opportunity to be like you know okay, I've been a little razzled. I need to dial it back a little bit. I need to be a little bit more focused, you know, so I can play my game consistently, you know, because we know clearly the guy's got the talent, you know, he is an extremely talented quarterback. You know, he's our guy, you know, he's going to be here a long time. But that being said, I think that is one area of his game that he needs to improve. And, you know, on the other time, or sorry, on the other side for Eric DaCosta too, I would look at this and be like, (laughs) Lamar's doing a lot here. But there are fifty-two other players on this roster that we need to have around him, and I think from some of the drops, some of the performance by the defense, you know, some of the other things, I think we got to look at that and be like, okay, you know, we need to really think about what kind of guys we're going to bring in in the draft in a free agency to you know build up a stronger roster in some of these areas, so we don't have to rely on Lamar being that guy, you know, in in the playoffs. We want to help him out.
0: Yeah, after the game with one of the headline-grabbing quotes from Marlon Humphrey, he said, this team's identity right now is to get in the playoffs and choke. It is what it is. That's just a hard truth. And he went on to say that he would remember this team as losers because they kind of just lost. (laughs) It's pretty scathing. And I was curious to hear what you guys thought about that quote. I think it was interesting that he really doubled down on it today after a day of kind of reflecting on it do you think he's trying to send a message to some people in the locker room or the coaching staff or what?
2: I mean, whatever it is, is not good. He's not wrong. I mean, I would certainly think that I'd feel that about myself if, if I were playing in this game and, you know, put up a a performance like that, I would be disappointed. But that being said, I don't really think that's a great quote to put out there to the media. It's not inspiring. (laughs) It's not uplifting. It's it's not really like uh, I I don't really think it's something that you should use to kind of like rally a team around you. Usually, leaders kind of pull to something positive, something to bring the team together. <laughs> but just to call you know call your team call call your teammates chokers. It's you know it's it's not the best. It's definitely not the best, particularly when you give up a fifty one yard bomb. <laughs> Well I mean again I mean, <laughs> maybe he's talking about himself I, a little bit, you know. Right, yeah. again again, like you can you could talk about yourself like that, right? I mean uh, and I agree, like, you know, Humphrey, you know, we didn't have a good game. You know, and if he's trying to say like I didn't have a good game, I mean you could say that, but to call the whole team out and be like this one negative statement of like we're just chokers, I'm, like you know, it might <laughs> it might be true, you might be thinking it, but like if you're trying to rally a team around that, you should have a more positive uh message. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I th- I think that's definitely not like you said, Chris. You said it basically everything I wanted to say, which is that you know you can have that conversation, you can vent behind closed doors with that, but that's not something I think you want to air public, right? And kind of surprised that he was able to double down on that without uh, Harbaugh giving him a talking to after he said that quote. But I guess you know, yeah. right? It's right after a very emotional loss, especially. With a team that had such high hopes after that fourteen and two year, maybe just you know, the coaching staff isn't as quick at that because you know you're st- still trying to pick up the pieces of what happened
0: during the game. Peter, I just want to say that too that I was surprised that in a hardball led locker room that came out that was not typical of our locker room and and that, that was kind of what was again out with the whole doubling down the next day is it didn't seem like anything happened or just Humphrey didn't care I don't know but that it's just not normal for us to see that
2: yeah it does make me a little worried too that you have those comments from Humphrey I know we've had a couple comments not in the same vein but kind of like a little just kind of weird comments in in terms of like locker room culture from like Earl Thomas also he's kind of been one of those Mm -hmm. guys who just putting out quotes and he was like, oh, you know, the Patriots didn't look like they didn't want to tackle Henry. I think we're going to change that. And then, you know, have him get, have Henry run for almost 200 yards against the Ravens. It's not really a good look either. It does make me a little worried that we, you know, still may kind of like, feels like we need a guy like Ray Lewis, honestly. I mean, where, you know, everything you said, you know, (laughs) not all the things you said made sense especially late in his career. But <laughs> yeah. that being said, if he need to, to send a message to bring his team together in the right way, like he would, he would have that statement. You know, one of the things
0: that got me after this game and made me kind of reflect and look back on this team was that, I don't know. I personally don't think it was very classy of the Titans to imitate Mark Ingram and do that whole introduction of Henry. Um, Mainly because when Ingram did it, it was to hype up his teammate, um, and it was not putting down anyone else, (laughs) where for them it was hyping a teammate and also putting down the team they just beat. Um, It kind of seemed a little uh, tacky, and and then they were doing the whole big trust thing, and I was just like, man, are we that team now? Are we the team that everyone hates? (laughs) I don't want to be that team. (laughs) I just want to be the good team, you know? (laughs) And that was, I, I thought that was kind
1: of interesting. I mean... Unfortunately, because of Earl Thomas's quote, now the Ravens are kind of the new, new Browns because the Browns were the were the off season Super Bowl champions, and now the Ravens are the regular season Super Bowl champions. Unfortunately, you know we're talking about <laughs> yeah. a little bit of a loose locker room this year with quotes, and I mean you know it, as a fan base, you know we've we've been toting that this team, you know we thought they were Super Bowl worthy, and you know we've said it on this pod before. But it's a little different coming from the fan base rather than your locker room, and mm-hmm. that is putting the, a little bit of a bullseye for the Ravens to get some jabs in the off season that they're gonna have to live with. And if they got a problem with it, then nobody cares. Work harder and get the Super Bowl next year.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean we're fourteen and two. You know we've got a target on our backs. So, uh, yeah, just like Peter said, you know, you just got to drown out that noise and you got to come back next year and, and hopefully show up, you know.
1: My takeaway from the season right now as a raw takeaway is that going into this season when we did our predictions, I think I said that I didn't really think that this team was ready to go to make it past the divisional round of the playoffs. And it's kind of funny to now see the dust settle and... If this had happened and say, say the Titans were the one seed and the Ravens were the, the six or five seed, that this team would be meeting my expectations with this outcome at the end of the season. But with this 14 and two year where maybe the Ravens overperformed with where their players are right now, maybe they really are that good, and they just slipped up yesterday now making that benchmark which seemed to be meeting expectations coming into the year is a little bit of a disappointment and this is still kind of interesting as far as Harbaugh and the coaching staff is concerned because like we said Harbaugh still hasn't won a playoff game since 2014 and it'll be interesting in the next year or two like even if the ravens are still winning if the if Harbaugh becomes uh, the new marvin lewis how much longer is he going to get a chance around here before? Ugh, don't you put that evil on me, Peter. All right, we can cut that <laughs> out then. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking, don't worry about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you leave that in there, but oh man, that's, that's scathing. Jeez. I mean, I do, I, 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 I do agree with you, though. You know, going into the season, I don't think it, nobody here expected us to go 14 and 2. We had anywhere from 9 and 7 to like 11 and 5. Maybe if we were optimistic like Alec, we'd say 12 and 4. But, you know, going into the season, I think this is probably about where we all expected to end up. It definitely sucks being 14-2, and two, being the number one seed, being the top team in the AFC, nay, top team in the NFL in terms of regular season record. You know, <laughs> anybody who is the top, you know, seed in the NFL hopes to make the Super Bowl. It especially sucks, too, knowing that we've played so many playoff teams including many of the teams that are still left and we've played them very well and we've won against most of those teams. It, it really sucks to to see that we were knocked out in the first round. And I, I think the other thing to look at as well is that, you know, we definitely benefited from a weak AFC North this year as well with Ben Roethlisberger out. The Steelers just weren't the same team. The Browns kind of did the same thing. The Browns always do every year. And the Bengals also, you know, only won two games this year, so things are going to be a little bit different next season. But that being said, you know, hopefully, most of our core is going to be here next year. Hopefully, we have a good draft, uh, retool the defense a little bit, maybe some of the lines on both sides, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be able to have a roster that'll be around the same as what we have this year, and uh, you know, we'll be able to use these. You know last two years of uh heartbreak to go in and and really just 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 win it just win a playoff game man we just got to win one and then once we win one then we can win another and then we'll win that one and then we'll move on but you know we've we got to make something out of it because we can't just be this this team that's one and done I, you know we're, we're we're definitely not used to this we're a better team than this Harbs is coach many, many teams that have won lots of games on the road or at home in the playoffs. You know, we, I think we have too much talent to just let that go to waste. I
1: think that was really well put, Chris. I just want to preface that, although I was getting a little, you know, critical there and a little talking about anything can happen from this point, I do have faith in the Ravens front office and Harbaugh to figure this out, but, you know, we never know what's going to happen.
0: (laughs) Well, that'll be the subject of many shows to come. Hopefully everyone enjoys the off-season as much as you can. Lick those wounds. Heal up. Get ready. We're not going anywhere. We'll be continue to make shows throughout the off-season covering free agency and the draft and all the news leading up into the 2020 season. Chris, Peter, this has been a lot of fun this year. It's been a true pleasure. Came to talk to you guys and Discussing this team And it's a real shame How this all happened This year But Hey It was just our first season Doing the pod <laughs> We got it warm up For the next year And hopefully that'll be The Super Bowl run Right guys? Yes sir Suddenly